Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beauty by God. I'm your host, Stephanie, and I hope you're having a really good day or night, whenever it is that you tune in. Today's topic is hopefully intriguing to you. Well, I can only assume that it is since you did press play. (laughs) Today I'm speaking on identity, and I just want to specifically just go into what the word of God says is our identity. Who are we as women of God? And I want to start off with just simply defining the word identity. I do this often with very simple words that I already know the definition to, but I find it really helpful whenever I want to just expand my understanding as to what God is really trying to tell me um, and how I can really um, use this definition to help me understand even scripture too. So, what is the official definition of identity? It is the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. A few synonyms are name, specification, identification, recognition. So identity is the way that those around you recognize what you, whether it's by your name, your face, the way you speak, the way you walk, your mannerisms, your social security number, your gender, etc. And it's basically the way people separate you from the person next to you. It's by your unique identification. Now, I just want to give a little bit of a background story on myself and just be 100% uh, transparent. Before I came to know Christ, which was in my later 20s, I am now 35, and before I came to know Christ, all throughout even like my childhood, just growing up, into a young adult, I had such huge identity issues. (laughs) I knew who I was. I didn't like who I was. I wanted to change who I was. (laughs) All those things. And so I'm just going to give a few details before I get into this. Um, But maybe somebody can relate. So I come from a Mexican uh, heritage. I am Mexican-American because I was born here in America, but, you know, my family is from Mexico. My dad crossed over, um, swam through the Rio Grande, and he, you know, came to Chicago, which is where I was born, um, and, you know, my mom is a first-generation Mexican-American here, too. Grandparents are from Mexico. Everybody is from the motherland, right across the border. Now, um, the reason I had such huge identity issues is because I grew up as a white Latina. And what does that mean? It means that I have really light skin, really, you know, light hair. Well, not super light, but I have light brown hair. I have green eyes. So I don't fit the quote-unquote 
I'm sorry, I'm just like kind of shaking my head right now. I know you can't see me. But um, I don't fit the quote-unquote stereotypical like Mexican, what a Mexican woman looks like. And so, you know, back when I was, I was born in 86, so all throughout the 90s and, you know, early 2000s and all of that, um, just people had this concept and this image of what a Mexican should look like. So, um, we're all very aware of colorism, right? <laughs> Even amongst our quote-unquote own people, um, you can face discrimination based on your skin color. And you know, this goes to even really dark Latinos as well. It's just like this never good enough kind of thing. It's, it's colorism, pure colorism. So as a white Latina, I was always, always just questioned about where I came from. And if I said I was Mexican, it's like I had to go through the process of like, we'll prove it, speak Spanish do this, do that, you know, people are just very, you know, just very uneducated and ignorant and whatnot, but even in my own culture, I never felt fully accepted, I never felt fully like I belonged or that, you know, anybody would believe that I actually did grow up in a Spanish-speaking home, that I was constantly going to Mexico, I was very, very much in touch with my family in Mexico since I was a baby, you know, grew up in the culture and so the food and, you know, everything. Um, and then there were a few years where I did, you know, live in a white neighborhood, but even that was terrible. <laughs> that was so bad because I blended in but I was always trying to hide who I really was because I never wanted to stick out, you know? I always stuck out in um, the Latino community amongst, you know, people who were darker than me. Um, I always kind of, you know, stood out because I was different. And so, sorry about that. Um, so when I was in, you know, a fully white community, no, I didn't stick out through the way that I looked, but I... I stuck out because I, it, I didn't grow up in that kind of culture. I didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't, I didn't relate to things that they, you know, all bonded over, became friends over. And so there is always that part of me that always either really, really tried so hard to prove that I was, you know, one of, one of my people. And then there was also the part of me that's like, oh gosh, I hope they don't find out because if not, I'm already like gonna stick out. I already stick out like a sore thumb because I was also very painfully shy and quiet and um, not the, the prettiest girl of the bunch or the most developed girl of the bunch, not the most popular girl. I was always very like nerdy and didn't have many friends. So, um, it's such a hard place to be, and I'm sure even if you didn't grow up as a white Latina, I'm sure that you can relate to this at some level, you know? As a kid, it's never it's never a good thing to be different, right? Back then, at least, or a good thing to be unique um, or have your own identity kind of thing, your own swag. Do people even still, still say swag? I have no idea. I'm 35, guys. Let's, let's keep that in mind. Um... And, and, and so I, 
as a, not only as a child and as a teenager, but also as a young adult, I was always sort of like, had this very chameleon, um, chameleon identity. So that means like, that no matter who my friends were, whatever my group of friends were into, whatever they liked, their likes and dislikes, their style, what they were into, it all... I was just like, oh yeah, that's me too. That's me too. And I was constantly changing. I went through like an emo phase. I went through, um, uh, you know, uh, a city girl kind of like rap and R&B phase. Although I do love, I do love R&B. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Um, you know, a, a Boricua, Puerto Rican face. <laughs> identified as Puerto Rican. That was, oh my god, I was in high school. It's the dumbest, dumbest thing to do. Um, you can only keep that up for so, so long. <laughs> but, uh, I went through a phase, even when I had, like, lesbian friends, where I was like, oh yeah, I think I'm bisexual. <laughs> clearly was not, um, but I identified as it around them, and I was just constantly changing who I was, but, um, but again, I didn't know who I really was, I just wanted to be whomever people liked me as, that's it, that's all I wanted, you know, is because I did, I just wanted to fit in, I just wanted to be accepted, and at the end of the day, we all want to be loved, and we all want to be accepted, and we all want to be seen, who we are and just like um you just want to feel important so anyway I say all that to say that even to our own detriment we as women tend to find our identity in other things or people other than God and we do this even as as women of God you know even even knowing Christ it's something we have to constantly battle against because it's very easy to fall into that snare of the enemy, that trap of the enemy, that um, the things that whatever our life revolves around is becomes our identity. So, for example, you know, men and relationships that we're in. Some of us have a very, very um, hard time. Um, finding our identity outside of men, whether it's men that are into you, men that are, have never been into you. Um, it's something that we can, that we all struggle with, um, to not allow the men in our lives or the man in our life to be an idol and to replace the Lord. Um, and many times when, you know, our relationships like this fall apart, you just, you kind of just don't know who you are. And we've all been there. Another thing that we um, find our identity in is our money, our success, our careers. If you're on social media, you know, our, you're following the people that like your, your, your content people, you know, that respond and engage with your content, those that repost you, do they like my outfit, do they like my makeup, do they like the trip I just went on, do they like this inspiring Bible scripture or quote that I found, all of that um, 
can be something that we find our identity in. Here's another thing that I've been, that I've realized in my own personal healing with God in this season of my life and other seasons too, but mainly in this season is that I can find my identity even in my worst pain. Even in my worst moments of rejection, of abandonment, of betrayal, of disappointment, of heartache, that can become such a big part of my identity and I don't even know it. And it's in the the seasons of healing where Jesus shows me that that does not have to be a part of who I am. Because let me tell you that that part of me that is in so much pain, so much hurt, will start to build this wall around me, this wall of self-protection. Um, this wall where I don't have to be vulnerable with anybody where I don't have to face my greatest fears. And it stops me from believing that I can, that I am chosen, that I can be healed, that God can do a a new thing, that God can show me what victory actually tastes like and not just that bitter taste of defeat that I've known all of my life. And maybe that's something that somebody that's listening here can relate to. Don't allow your pain and your heartache to become such a huge part of your identity that you can't even receive the blessings and the promises that God has for you. It's such a place of stronghold and bondage that the enemy likes to hold us in make us believe that we're not worthy of more, that we just have to settle for less than because that's what we deserve, because that's what somebody served to us, that's what somebody told us. And so that's something that, again, has been revealed to me in my own healing. And I just want to pass that along to somebody. Now I'm going to go to one of my favorite psalms in Psalm 139 verses 15 through 16. It says, When my bones were being formed, carefully put together in my mother's womb, when I was growing there in secret, you knew that I was there. You saw me before I was born. And the days allotted to me had all been recorded in your book before any of them ever began. This is the word of God. So what does this tell us about ourselves? Is my identity, your identity, is intimately, intimately connected to God and known by God before the world ever tries to identify you. Our identity is intimately connected to God and identified and known 
by God, the almighty creator of this universe, of everything that you see and can't see, the creator of everything, he has already identified you before your struggles and this world and your pain ever tries to identify you. And this is a fact that you have heard before, but I'm going to repeat it anyway, because I can. The uniqueness of our fingerprints, right? No one else in this world has the exact same set of ridges and lines that you have on your fingers. Not even identical twins have the same fingerprints, which to me is mind-blowing. Your fingerprints are formed in the womb as a fetus. This, this is something that's been proven. And how amazing is that? That it backs up even the word of God. Because it says in Psalm 139, When my bones were being formed carefully put together in my mother's womb, when I was growing there in secret, you knew that I was there and you saw me before I was born. That means that those set of fingerprints, those ridges and those lines, God already knew what they were going to look like. He already knew in the patterns that you would have on your fingers as your fingerprints. And they were being formed in the womb as you were a fetus. And your fingerprints, they stay the same throughout your entire life. They never change. They never change. Your identity never changes. You know, your fingerprints are what identifies you from anybody else. Nobody else has these set of fingerprints. And it stays the same throughout your entire life. Our identity is the same. It is what was given to us by God before we were even born. Another thing that this says about us is that my identity is in Christ. My identity is in Christ. That's where it begins. That's where it starts. That's what solidifies me and holds me steady. Because we know that seasons change constantly. They're always changing. And we also know that God, Christ, never changes. He is the same always. Always. And so when seasons come that try to shake us, that try to tear us down, that try to strip hope from us they can't win they can't win when our identity is in Christ because the same God that held people from the Old Testament like Esther, David King David you know Abraham, Moses when he held them steady in times of tribulation and trials 
and seasons that were more than just a storm, who they were as God's chosen people, that didn't, that didn't shake and crumble. That held them steady. That held them firm to being faithful and obedient to what God had called them to. So no matter what season you're in, even if it doesn't look like what you thought it would look like, know that you have a God that is constant. And if God and Christ are constant and steady, then I am, I am who he says I am. That means that I can be bold and courageous, that I am chosen and accepted, that I am called and appointed, that I am anointed, that I am more than enough, that my prayers do shake all of hell, and my prayers change things. Maybe first in the supernatural, before in the natural, but eventually it will manifest in the natural. The third is, my identity is chosen. I'm already chosen. I have never been abandoned. It says so in Isaiah 43 verse 1. But now says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, Jacob and Israel, Jacob is Israel, Israel is Jacob. You know, Jacob, the imperfect Jacob, who got a new name of Israel, the redeemed Israel. That means that God created you, your imperfect side and your redeemed side. He created you. He is the God of your insecurities, of your failures, of your fears, of your imperfections. The side that you don't want other people to see. He formed that side. But he also forms the side of Israel, which is redeemed, righteous, renewed. And it goes on to say, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. You know, the enemy comes in and he tries to steal who we really are in Christ. He does it through shame and guilt. Through our own, you know, sinful actions. You know, nobody's exempt from sin. Nobody. We're born into a world of sin. But God says that I give you a new name. That means that our past mistakes our shortcomings, they don't define who we are because God has already given us a new identity. I've called you by name. You are mine. You are not the enemies. You never have been. Many times we don't think we're good enough. We're not good enough for, for God to redeem. We're not good enough for God to use because we become convinced that we're just we're just not enough 
but that's that's a lie that's a total lie because it says it in his word fear not don't be afraid you don't have to be afraid because i have redeemed you i've made you new i have taken back what the enemy has tried to steal kill and destroy that's redemption you know all odds were against you yet i took you up and i rescued you and i've called you mine if you are gods that means you are always on the side of victory you are always on the side of victory you have an inheritance nothing can take away the righteousness and the royalty that comes from being gods nothing You know, Galatians 3 says, verses 26 through 28, excuse me. It says that, so in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. You know, God himself, through this word, he declares that we are all equal. And that before anything else that we identify in our, in our lives as, we are one in Christ. That is our first identity. That strips us away from everything. He strips down every single label that the world gives us, every label that we give ourselves. He strips us of all of that down to the very, you know, bare nakedness and says, first and foremost, you're one in Christ Jesus. That's equality. That's equality all across the board. So what, what does that mean, really? Does that mean that God doesn't want us to identify as a female or male or... You know, God doesn't want us to identify to our heritage. No, it doesn't mean that at all. You know, but, it, you know, I do believe that the Lord strategically places us in the environment, in the family, in the year that we're born in, the decade, decades that we are born in, um, that we live through, I should say. Um, I think he does that strategically, and I think it's all to to aid us and benefit us in our in our ministries and our purpose. You know, I was born into the family that I was born in, as imperfect as it as it was, as divorced as my parents were, um, in the social class that we were in, constantly moving, constantly moving when I was a kid, since I, I was born. We moved like 13 different times, all within the same city. But it's because my parents had very little money, very little money. And we went through crappy, from crappy, crappy apartment to not so crappy, but still crappy, to a mm, little better, but still pretty crappy. Um, there's always like rodent problems and like, you know, cockroaches, and so I remember that as a kid, and we just went from place to place, 
trying to find a home that was suitable enough, but still affordable. And so I grew up in the city and born in the city that I was meant to be in as a female, as a white Latina. You know, he knew the struggles I was going to have in my identity growing up. He knew the people that were going to, you know, um, reject me. And, and he knew the path that I was going to take. You know, our, 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 um, our backgrounds, uh, you know, the schools that we go to or don't go to, you know, our education or lack of, um, the careers that we hold, all of those things. I, I feel like the Lord himself strategizes all that to benefit us and aid us in our ministry. There's so many people on this earth that need to hear about Jesus. And if we all grew up in the same social class with the same careers and the same, you know, perfect families, which nobody's family is perfect, but say that we did, who would we reach? You know, I can reach a certain set of people that other people can't. But then there's other people that are completely different from me, grew up completely different different careers, different paths, different families. And they can reach a set of people that I can't. I just can't. So, it's all strategic. At the end of the day, it is for our benefit. And really for the benefit of this world that we remember who we are as Christ first and foremost in anything. It guides us in our lives. It shines truth and light and love into the most difficult situations, especially when we go through things mentally and emotionally. And so... I think that right now, especially in a world that's changing so much, and and people are just like, I just feel like a spirit of confusion is just over so many groups of people and people trying to really find their purpose and all the wrong things. Um, it's us that God calls to be examples. It's us that God calls to be light bearers. And when people see that in really trying seasons, when things are changing, when things aren't perfect, when their circumstances seem to be against us more than for us, in those times, our, when we stand on our solid identity as Christian women, people will see just how we react to things. What is it that we do that's different than most common reactions and ways of handling things? People see it. People will see it. And those are opportunities where we can really, really 
get on our knees and ask the Lord to help us be more like Christ. Will we persevere? Will we fall back on who God says we are and remember who we are in times of trial? And the enemy will do everything that he can to attack our identity in those times. Tell you you're not good enough. Tell you you don't deserve anything good. Put a cloud of depression on you. Defeat. Defeat and shame, embarrassment that you could even think that God would come through for you. But he is a liar. The enemy is a liar. And we, as women of God, can stand up against him. And he can shrivel down to the size of an infant. Because that's what he is in the presence of God with us. You know? Because when we stand up against the enemy, we're not standing up alone. It's God who stands right there next to us. It's God. And the devil cannot and is not or ever will be more powerful than God. Ever. He may try to convince us of that, but he's not. And he knows it. So he comes in and attacks who we are attacks what we think about ourselves, how we look at ourselves, how we speak of ourselves, the things that we declare over our lives. The defeat that we already accept before, while, no, while God has the victory in hand. So, that is the word for tonight (laughs) I hope you enjoyed it Um, or at least got something out of it because it was like I said just really pressing on my heart and this is a series that really can go into more parts and as the Holy Spirit just speaks to me in the next couple days I definitely want to put together something else Um, and I just, I want to just encourage you with this. I want to encourage you with this because it's what the Lord has been encouraging me with. Um, and you know, in, in future episodes, I really want to talk about how to counteract, um, the whispers of the enemy, how to counteract them in different ways and how I've learned how to do that and still try to implement on a day-to-day basis because it is a day-to-day battle it's a day-to-day battle and um and i'd love to share that with you so thank you for listening and i hope you guys have a wonderful day or night whenever this is when you listen to this i was gonna say watch because i'm used to being on camera but (laughs) when you listen in i hope um that uh you get to you know tune in next time Love you and God bless.